Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. If you'd like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. Can you just welcome David Bradshaw here today? Oh, man. Now I just don't know if that standing ovation was real or not. That's the problem. That's like dutiful roses, you know? It's like, okay, honey, here's the roses because it's Valentine's Day and I have to. So, no, I'm just kidding. No, thank you. We feel so honored and so blessed being here. We love this house. And um, it is really our joy to be here. We feel the the honor is actually ours to be with you guys. And um, we have been running with Phil and the worship guys now for... Um, some time, just at different events around the nation, and they're just incredible how they've served and thrown in, and uh, we really are overjoyed to uh, be with you guys and uh, so appreciate who you are. I I, I do have a word this morning for you guys really about worship of Jesus, but before I do that, I have something I felt the Lord laid on my heart. I was wondering if the leaders, pastors, and elders of this church, I'm wondering if you would mind standing really quickly, putting you on the spot. I didn't even tell Nathan or uh, anybody, including spouses. So if your spouses are with you, I, I felt this word on my heart. I felt like the Lord has handpicked this team because he's raising up this church and this community as a hub to steward the move of God in this region and far beyond this region. And I'm asking them to stand up because I just believe the Lord has invited you to stand up into a new place of authority in this season. And what I felt was in Zechariah chapter 3, Joshua, who was the high priest, was, was with the community in Jerusalem. They were rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. About 50,000 people had come back from Babylon after 70 years. There was like a million people in Babylon, and only 50,000 actually heard the word and came back to Jerusalem. But they got discouraged because the accuser came after them. In Zechariah 3, Satan was accusing them, saying he's got filthy garments, and accusing the leadership um, And they'd also experienced just their own weakness in the process. But I I just believe that that is the normal way when God's hand is on a group of people. I just want to declare that to you. You know, God's, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3 that we go from one degree of glory to the next. You guys know that verse? Like that's God's way. One degree of glory to the next. What he didn't tell you was that the one degree to the next, it's not always things just get better and better and better and better. It's actually most of the time death, resurrection, death, resurrection. What he doesn't tell you is that the way of God is he prunes the things that bear fruit. And I feel like because you are a center and a hub for awakening, I'm not saying this to hype up this community, because this place is meant to steward a move of God in Pennsylvania and beyond, you have received 
pruning and challenges, and most specifically, the same thing that came after Joshua and Zechariah 3, the accuser has come after you. But Jesus stands up to Joshua and he says, Lord, in, in Zechariah 3, he goes, Lord, rebuke you, Satan. And he goes, give him new garments. And basically what he's saying is they are qualified. Their weakness does not disqualify them. Their failures do not disqualify them. Their, the attacks of the enemy against them do not disqualify them. Their lack of resources don't disqualify them. All of those things actually qualify them in a sense, not disqualify them. Because at the end of the day, anyone who does anything significant for Jesus that lasts forever never does it in their own strength. Nobody gets the glory but Jesus at the end of the story. And anyone thinks they get the glory actually doesn't know the deal, do they? Because at the end of the day, even the most impactful people for the gospel, it's going to be grace from beginning to end. And I just want to say, the reason I ask you to stand is I believe that this is a season of new garments, that this team is handpicked, that there's been seasons of pruning, but I believe the Lord is bringing you into a place where unbelievable confidence is coming upon you because he's going to not only pay the bill, he's going to send the people and he's going to execute everything that's in his heart for this place. But I wanted to call it out as a friend, as a brother, to say from the outside in, I'm looking at this place going, this place is unbelievably positioned to steward a move of God that far transcends even just this local church. And so I wanna, I wanna ask right now, because, because what happens in leadership is the enemy, the accuser comes after leaders. And I'm asking that this spiritual family, if we could have like a two minute little family moment here. They didn't know I was going to do this. I'm sorry, Nathan. I'm just putting you right on the spot. I'm wondering if we can pray for these leaders right now. Come on. This is family here. We're in a family room. I want to pray that the Lord will just wipe away every accusation of the evil one and give them so much confidence to step into the next season. It's a brand new day. It's a brand new season. So if you want to, uh, if you want to stretch out your hands towards one of them, you're welcome to do that. But Lord, we just pray in the name of Jesus. God, we pray for Nathan and Adrian and Phil and Carrie and the whole team here, Chris and everyone. Lord, we pray this morning that you would wipe away those, those uh wounds from the accuser and that you would cause them to step with boldness. God, we recognize this is your process. This is your process, Lord. And so I ask you all over this place that you would, I thank you for the repositioning that's going on. And I pray this morning would be like a turning point in your grace, that this would just be a shifting into confidence Lord, where there is never worry again about if the people or the money or, the, or whatever will be there. And we just say, Lord, the activity of the accuser against them is nullified by the word of Jesus over them. He has called them and he has qualified them and it's settled because your word over their life. And we just say it is settled. And Lord, we pray that the discouragements of leadership would begin to be healed that you'd begin to heal the discouragements of leadership, Lord. 
And that you would just raise up a new confidence in this place. Just like a banner. His banner over us is love. We're qualified because he says we're qualified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. We love you guys. Sorry to put you on the spot. Well, hey, if you, uh, if you have a Bible um, or your phone or your iPad or if you have it memorized, just go right there in your brain. Uh, John chapter 17. Oh, I forgot to mention, um, I got this little book out there. This is not, this is not released yet. It's actually pretty amazing. I didn't know they were going to send me 3,000 copies of this before we came here. This isn't even out yet, but I'm excited about it. So this is just our story of Awaken the Dawn and a bunch of values we believe the Lord's highlighting. Um, and so we have these out there. If anybody's interested in them, um, I just believe God wants to give faith to walk in the divine storyline. How many of you know Jesus is the master story writer? Like he is the best, the gospel is the best story that will ever have been written. And the amazing thing is you're in the story. We're actually walking out this amazing adventure full of suffering and glory they're the most amazing adventure, and I believe the Lord is looking for people on the earth that will give him a total yes, and then wake up the next day and give him a yes again, and then wake up the next day and do another yes, and live in the yes, and if you live in the yes, he does all the heavy lifting for your yes. I mean, all of it. Providing power, people, resource, everything that's needed for what he's called you to do. And so this narrative has just been this wild little piece of our story over the past maybe 10 years or so and what the Holy Spirit's done, but specifically with establishing the culture of worship and prayer on the earth and how that's happening and what he wants to do and uh, the, the Jesus movement that's coming. Anyway, so that's out there if you want it. Um, I, uh, I'm also really grateful for our team. Where's our team? Can you guys stand up where you guys at real quickly? I'm going to embarrass you. Where, where are we at? There's Katie back here. Matthew. I saw Jeremy. Oh, Jeremy's back there. Jeremy leads our Revive School. Where's, where's our team at? Oh, they're, they're out. There they are. Back corner. Black on black on black. We have a dress code. You guys didn't know that. But I saw your church has that same dress code. I feel really at home here. The black on black on black. This is, this is good. I got a collar shirt on today. So, Anyway, I love you guys. Jeremy leads our Revive School. And um, just, he's one of my most amazing friends. Uh, just, just shepherding the next generation into presence-centered life. And man, isn't that critical? This is a family thing. And this church does this so well. It's all, in many ways, it's all about raising up the next generation. It's really not about us. I mean, if we can get that hearts of fathers to children, hearts of children to fathers deal down, we will shake the nations of the earth. And it's, it's all about that. Jeremy's leading the Revive School. This church is amazing at it. I'm praying that hundreds of these environments get raised up that can steward that thing and pour into this next generation. So um, anyway, we got some of our Revive students just graduated, Chris and Lexi. Lexi was leading worship. She's awesome. So anyway, okay, John 17. You guys there in your mind, those of you that memorized it? Okay. <laughs> I want to share out of this because um, I, be I do believe in the next few minutes, 
um, that there is an impartation from the Lord. There's like an activation, actually, um, going on. This church, like I said a minute ago, is positioned to steward something the Holy Spirit is doing. There's nothing more exciting than intimacy with Jesus and stewarding what he's doing, being a part of it. And you guys get to be a part of it. And my heart this morning is to just get under what the Holy Spirit's doing here any way we can, not as an expert. We're not coming in as experts. We're coming in as brothers and sisters. But we want to get under it and go, here's a point of activation. Because I I do think there's something the Lord wants to activate, even this morning in culture here. And I'm going to get to that right at the end. We're going to pray into it. But I want to set the stage out of John 17 because We've been giving our, our lives to extravagant worship and prayer and evangelism and gospel proclamation. Some of you might know our story, but there's been about 600 tents across the nation that have been part of our little world in the past few years. Uh, we had about 1,700 worship teams gather on the National Mall in 2017 in 58 tents, and they sang to Jesus and prayed 24-7, one tent for every state. They filled the National Mall. While that was going on, top government officials were getting saved at the highest level of government. We saw uh, physical healing begin to break out in Washington, D.C. without people even praying for people. In some cases, they were just standing on the mall and God was healing them. This was absolutely revolutionary in in our world because we realized that the expression of extravagant public worship and prayer is part of God's blueprint for his power and his government to come on the earth. It's not just sound. What's happening here with Phil and the team and this culture, it's not just sound and lights. It's not a performance. There is something bigger going on in this church community with the worshiping, praying, creative culture that he's raising up here. I want all of you to buy in to this vision. It is bigger than just sounding good or sounding better than the other church or anything like that. This is a movement that the Holy Spirit has orchestrated before the foundation of the world to be right in the middle of how he's going to fulfill his will and ultimately lead to the return of Jesus himself. I, we, we've got to get far past it. It sounds good. It feels good. I like the music. That's all great. But when we start to understand Something bigger is going on with all of this. It has to do with God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. When you understand a little bit of what King David understood 3,000 years ago when he became king in Jerusalem and he's put the ark in a tent that we call David's tabernacle and he paid 4,000 musicians to minister, to sing and pray and connect with God's heart right at the center of their culture. For over 30 years in Jerusalem, and then every time that was replicated, Israel became successful against their enemies. And you might say, well, that's Old Testament. But that culture didn't start with David. It started somewhere else. Do you want to know where it started? It started in heaven. That's what's going on in heaven right now. Why? Because God never takes off his father hat to put on the king hat. He never takes off the bridegroom hat to put on the CEO hat. 
He runs things through intimacy. He moves his power through your conversations and encounters with him. And he's committed to it. He's never going to change it. We have a, your voice has a part in the story. And when we find our voice and realize what happens when we engage this way, there is actual authority released. And this house is carrying a sound that's more than just a sound. And so that David's tabernacle was a prototype, not of what David came up with, but what's going on in heaven to the point where in Acts 15, 16, James says, he quotes Amos 9, and he says, God says, I will rebuild David's tabernacle, which has fallen down. And then he says, why? So that the rest of mankind can seek the Lord. It's for people far from God. What we just did this morning isn't just for us to get goosebumps it's because God wants to live with communities in his presence. He's everywhere, but I'm talking about his manifested presence, meaning not just goosebumps. It's when God is revealing who he is in a way that we can know, experience, encounter, and walk with him. That's his presence. He wants to live with communities. Anyway, I believe this is going all over the earth. I, I like to say the phrase, this is my phrase, but there's a global festival around Jesus' glory that's going to hit the nations with singing and prayers and creativity and the proclamation of who he is. It's going to fill the earth. It's going to fill public places. Isaiah prophesied it. The scriptures declare it. So I, this is one facet that's right in the middle of God's strategy. How many of you know God's ways are not our ways? I don't know what kind of king would lead this way. What kind of leader would lead this way? But God has the top elders in heaven on thrones with harps in their hands. I don't know if you track with that. That's bizarre. I don't know any other government that gets their top elders in their, in their primary environment and they all have instruments. It's because God's ways aren't our ways. I'm telling you, he's going to confound the wise. And one of the ways he's going to do it, he's going to fill the earth with a global love song that's more than a song. He's going to live in the song. And he's going to respond to the sound by stretching out his hand. And things will happen in cities and regions that we can't explain. And hearts will be awakened to who Jesus is. His power will be unleashed. Transformation. David was a bottom line guy. He was a king. He wanted the bot. He he was he was pragmatic because he understood what would happen in his city when they engage with the Lord in that way. But the main reason I want to look at John 17 for a few moments is that really this is not about prayer and worship and evangelism. The worship movement is not about worship. You guys tracking? actually can get idolatrous when it becomes about worship. Prayer's not really about prayer. I don't love prayer. I love Jesus. Prayer is talking to Jesus. We don't worship worship. We worship Jesus. And that's why there's fiery, explosive creativity because he's that beautiful. Evangelism's not about evangelism. It's about Jesus' love for others, right? Like it boils down to there's a bigger narrative than just prayer and worship and gospel proclamation. 
And what I want to do for like 10 minutes is just get into this narrative in John 17. Maybe it's a passage that you're familiar with. Many in this room, I'm sure you've studied or read or understand John 17. But I want to open it up one more time because I want to peer into Jesus' heart. And then I'm going to pray for an activation that the Holy Spirit would begin to activate this DNA that I was just describing in this church this morning. Because I believe this is a season of, of an open door for you guys to step into this in a powerful way. But let me, let's look at John chapter 17, verse 20. And um, I want to uh, real quick preface this with this overarching idea. Why is John 17 one of the most amazing, if not the most amazing passage in the scriptures? I'll tell you, it's really simple. Three things. Number one, maybe you haven't read this before, but number one, this is God talking to God, and we have it on record. This is Jesus talking to the Father, the second person of the Trinity talking to the Father. That's number one. That's a reason you want to know this passage. You want to know what God says when God talks to God. Number two, the topic of the conversation is you. Number three, it's in the final moments before Jesus goes to the cross. How many of you know last words are important? I can't think of another passage of scripture like this one. God talking to God about us in the last minutes before the cross. That's a conversation you want to know something about. You want to memorize this conversation. So here's what Jesus says. Do you want to know what he said? He says this, I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. He says, I don't ask only for the 12 disciples. I'm also praying for everyone who believes through their word. How many of you believe through the word of the apostles, yeah. through, the, through the Bible, through what Jesus said? Anybody in here? That means he's praying for you. He goes that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you loved me. Now, point number one. Jesus is praying that through his glory. Now notice, it's not through our personalities or even through our agreement on every single issue. He says, through the glory that you gave me, Father, that's his presence, his glory. The, the Hebrew word glory just means weight. It's when God's reality is bearing down on a group of people. It's not just a, an experience. It's when God is making himself known to groups of people. It's glory. There's nothing like the glory of God resting on groups of people. Nothing like that. And Jesus says, through the glory that you gave me, the beauty, you could even say the word beauty, the stunning reality of his person, when they behold that, then make them one in that environment with one another, that is such a oneness, such a culture of family, that ego and agenda and selfish ambition literally die and they become just like we are. 
Now, if that wasn't in the red letters, I wouldn't believe it. Because he doesn't just pray we'd like each other a little more. He prays that we would be so one, we'd be like the Trinity is one. This is Jesus' prayer. Right before he goes to the cross. What's in his heart. Now, I'm just going to say a minute on this because this is important. Because there are things God won't do until everyone's at the table. Any moms in here ever cook like a Thanksgiving dinner? You get it all ready, but you don't serve it when they're not, the family's not there yet. There are things Jesus has cooked up for the earth that we don't get till we are together. Like together, different groups, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different church backgrounds, different, different ages, generations. Some like the music loud, some like the music quiet, some look dark, some look white, some come from different backgrounds. We actually have to be one with each other to get into the fullness of what the Lord has. But this is the burning desire of Jesus. If you want to know what the Holy Spirit's doing, it's in this vein. Now, how many of you know this? You, I see quite a few of you that have a pale complexion in here. You have more in common with an Arab believer in the Middle East that doesn't speak English, that some of our news networks would say is probably a terrorist, but he's a believer. You have more in common with that guy than your white Republican neighbor who's not a believer. That's actually true. I'm not trying to mess with anybody. I'm just saying. We're part of a global family here, and we got to start lining up. Like all the racial tension in America, the church is supposed to be on the front lines of bringing healing to all that. And because we're actually already one with each other. But how do we become one? It's not just by staring at each other and work. there needs to be hard conversations, but it's not just by looking at our differences. We become one through a work of the Holy Spirit called the glory of God. So he's built, number one, he's building a family that looks like him. But then look at this phrase in verse 23, the last phrase. He says, so the world would know that you sent me. It's a missional strategy that we would be one. And have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, pause here for a second. We're talking about a worship movement filling the earth. That's family, right? That worship movement is not oriented around worship, but this verse gives you the heartbeat of it because do you understand what Jesus just said? That the world would know that the Father, God, loves you the same way that he loves Jesus. I'm not sure if we get this. I'm actually 100% sure we don't get this yet. How does the Father, God, feel about Jesus? How does God feel about, how does God love God? What does the Father, God, feel about his son, Jesus? Just put your pinky toe in that shoreless ocean for five seconds. There's no words for that love. 
That's love beyond, see, God's infinite. So we have finite love. He has infinite love. You never get to the end of that love. A billion years from now, that love's gonna be increasing and growing. There is no love. Actually, here's the deal. God is love. And he's always been a plurality, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's always been family. He's always been love. You guys tracking? The gospel is the invitation for weak people right here in this room to experience the reality because of Jesus' work that now the Father, well, actually, he always has, feels about you the same way that he feels about Jesus. This is, the gen- this is a message that's going to awaken Gen Z in the nation. I even feel the fire of God on this right now. Like on that day of Pentecost, do you remember what happens? Tongues of fire come down and rest on their head. What was that fire? It wasn't just an, a charismatic experience. It was the person of the Holy Spirit that was the love that exists between the Father and Son. The Father heard Jesus' prayer in John 17, 23, and he goes, I'm going to take the very love that exists within my being, and I'm going to put it upon a group of people so that they can begin to love you, Jesus, beyond their ability to ever love you. They're going to step into infinite love. It's like what Paul says in Ephesians 3. That we would comprehend with all the saints the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He goes, you're going to touch something you could never understand. It's going to blow every circuit in your brain for a billion years. This is not exaggeration. This is why there's a worship movement. I remember when we went to the National Mall. I had this, it was a huge step of faith for, uh, for me. I remember the night. We stood up in front of tens of thousands of people. We made the announcement online. I went back to my home, laid down in bed, and the thought that was going through my mind is, what have I just done? I just told America with no money that we're going to have thousands of musicians come to the mall on their own dime. I put myself out there in this broadcast, and I went, I'm laying in bed going, what have I just done? You guys ever had an experience like that? I'm laying there the next night, two nights, the second night after we, the Friday night we did the announcement, Saturday night I'm laying in bed, awake, not able to sleep because I'm going, what have I just done? I finally fall asleep and I'm jolted awake in the middle of the night. This is the only time I've ever actually heard the Lord speak to me out loud. So one time I've heard God speak audibly to me. And do you know what he said? He didn't give me the blueprint on how to raise the money or whatever. He said my name. He said, David, out loud. I'm jolted awake. Sounded like my own father's voice. Sounded like my natural father's voice. Sounded like it came from the other room and a million miles away. And my heart's racing and I'm thinking like, you know, Samuel, he had to say, like, here am I, or something like that. I'm trying to figure out what to say. I realized I'm in bed, heart racing. God just called my name out loud. But do you know he didn't say one other word? 
Because what he was establishing in that moment was identity. He was coming to a guy. Now, you don't have to hear God out loud say your name because in the red letters right here, guess what Jesus said? Father, let the world know that you love them the same way you love me. That's you. And in that moment, it's like the Lord broke off this. I didn't even know I had like an orphan deal. And the Lord had to break the thing off so we could touch this. Then in verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. This is Jesus cry to the Father before the cross. He goes, here's what I pray, Lord, that these people, look around the room, that's us, the people that believe in him, would what? Not just adapt to the moral code of holy living, which is important, but that they would see, see his glory. There's one thing we really need, that the eyes of our heart would begin to see him as he is, as Jesus is, his glory, his personality, what he's actually like. You don't really need anything else in your life other than that. It's the one necessary thing. As we were going to the mall, um, my friend shows up in my office and he hands me this, he, he throws $444 on my desk in like ones. <laughs> he had a flair for drama. <laughs> Boom, I'm like, that's like a million dollars. <laughs> It's only 400. He goes, that's $444. And this is sometimes people that hear the Lord, like prophetic people, they, they get their interesting people. <laughs> and he goes, you're in a 444 day transition and the Lord's going to speak to you about your future. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, I'll take the $444. <laughs> and so we go through 444 days later, it was the exact day. I didn't even realize this. The exact day I sent the email to Lou Engle and the other leaders about the vision for the National Mall and the things got set in motion. 444, it actually was exactly. So that was interesting. But he goes, God's gonna speak to you out of 444 in the Bible. And again, I'm like, what? You know, the numbers thing is just kind of. But my friend has a dream. And in the dream, we're worshiping and there's this group of young people and the glory of the Lord is resting on these young people. And he wakes up and, and he looks at his watch in the dream and it's 444 and he wakes up and he's like, the presence of God is so strong in his room. And then fast forward a few more weeks, my other friend has a dream. And in the dream, I'm preaching on Ezekiel 44.4. And that's the passage where the glory of God comes to the new temple. And I'm preaching on it. And someone walks up to him in the dream and goes, have you heard the new message David's preaching? And he goes, no, what is it? He goes, it's the call of the Neverite. And he goes, you mean Nazarite? Because that's a biblical word. Nazarite's a biblical word. He goes, no, it's the call of the Neverite. It's those that never cease saying, holy, holy, holy. They never let the fire on the altar go out, and they never leave the tent of meeting. It's the call of the Neverite. 
It's eyes. Once you see, you can't stop looking. And the primary focus of your life becomes beholding and knowing and interacting with the one that you've seen. The primary focus of your life. The one thing, as David called it in Psalm 27, 4, to see, to behold the beauty of Jesus. Anyway, I, I, to, I told this story to a few people. I'm driving to Pennsylvania, actually. I was going to Harrisburg. I'm driving through the mountains, and I'm on a call with all these intercessor mamas. Do you guys know intercessor mamas? I love intercessor mamas. I have one. I, they're, they change history. And they're all praying, and I told them this story because it had just happened. I told them the story, and they're all praying, do it now, God. Raise up a generation with eyes for Jesus only. Fascinated. Hungry. Raise it up all over America. Let that be the remedy to the crisis of Gen Z. And they're going, God, they're praying. And I'm on, I got my earbuds in, and I'm driving through the mountains listening to them pray. And my phone is blowing up every five minutes. From a friend of mine named Travis. Text messages. He goes, call me as quick as you can. Call me as quick as you can. And it's like midnight by this time. And so I get off this call and I'm like, Travis, dude, what is going on? He goes, I don't know what just happened. (laughs) He goes, we were just in a worship service with a bunch of young people. There's just like 15 of them, a small group. And he goes, all of a sudden, worship became unstoppable. The hunger that hit this group of young people, it was unstoppable. And he goes, about two hours later, it was unstoppable. We were just trying to do a worship song to open the Bible study. Boom, and it pops, and nobody can stop, and they're crying, and they're lost in God. They forgot about the time. They didn't even care what time it was. They were actually magnificently obsessed. And they're leaning in. And Meanwhile, while this is happening, I'm praying for the Neverites thing on this phone call. And he goes, all of a sudden, everyone in the room has a vision with eyes open at the same time. He goes, I don't even know how to process this. I don't know what just happened. He said, and all of a sudden, I had to stand up in the middle of the room, and I said, a student awakening is coming to America. A student awakening is coming to America. The Lord says he's going to shake the university campuses, not with philosophies about him, but with his actual person landing on the campuses, and he's prophesying this, and these kids are crying, and I'm on the phone, I'm talking, and I'm going, oh my gosh, Jesus wants to show his glory. He wants a group of people that get this. Any, any men in here ever pursued a, a, someone, a, a woman you love? Or a woman, a man you love? You ever prayed this prayer? Like, Lord, take the blindness off her. Come on, I know somebody in here has prayed that prayer. She's got a spirit of blindness, Lord, take it off her. Let her see my glory. Some of you guys have prayed that. Some of you ladies have prayed that. Take, take the blindness off him, Lord. Call a 40-day fast. The man is blind. He needs to see. That's what Jesus is asking for. He goes, take a bunch of weak people and take the blindness off of them. Strike them with my glory. Let more than wealth or influence or or the cares of this life, let the one thing that defines their heart being me. How many of you know that's going to happen? Then he gets to the end here. 
In verse, I'm just going to read 26. I made known to them your name. I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Now, how many of you know what Jesus just asked for? He prayed that weak people on the earth like you would begin to love him, Jesus, the same way the Father loves Jesus. He goes that the love that you have for me would be literally placed in them and they would begin to love me the way you love me. That's Jesus' final prayer that we have recorded before he goes to the cross in his conversation with the Father about you. So what's the Holy Spirit doing on the earth today? Yeah, he's doing a lot of stuff, but I want to tell you the main thing he's doing is this right here. He wants to put Jesus on display. And if we line up with that, anything becomes possible. How many of you want to have your heart awakened? You need the Holy Spirit to touch your heart this morning to see the beauty of Jesus. This doesn't come naturally. This is the Holy Spirit's job to reveal him to us. One of the main ways this happens, here's a practical takeaway. One of the main ways this happens is we stay in the conversation with him. In John 15, he goes, hey, if you abide in me, like a branch abides in the vine, you'll bear much fruit. Part of that abiding is to stay in the conversation with him. Never quit it. Even when you don't feel him, stay in the conversation. Pray these passages back to him. And as a church family, I believe the Lord is activating something in your heart. You may not feel like, man, that's, that's a lofty thing to love Jesus like God loves Jesus. Like, how do I even do that? You don't do it. You position your heart. You don't make your heart love that way. God does it. But he does it for the hungry. You don't have to have it figured out, but you do need to be hungry. Is there anybody hungry? You don't have to get it all figured out. You don't have to have it together, but you need to be hungry. Are there any neverites in here? Are there anybody that's like, I'm going to be one. I'm hungry. I don't have it figured out. I don't even feel like I love God right now, but I'm hungry. Like if those seraphim, those angels, those angelic beings can sit there around the throne and scream holy, which means better than anything, 24-7, day and night it says, they're constantly crying out and all their eyes are getting another glimpse of him constantly. What they know is that there is unending beauty in his person. In the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. We're talking about the maximum experience of pleasure available to the human heart. And most of us get out of bed like we got out this morning, just kind of stumbled here. We don't even know who we are. We're just like, give me some coffee. What are they singing about? Holy for hours? Did they sing that one chorus for like 20 minutes? But when you sing it and you say it and you pray it, something gets activated in your soul. There's an activation. You can engage the conversation even when you don't feel it. And the more you engage it, the more the spirit of revelation, Jesus begins to touch your heart because he's in the room right now. We have like three minutes and I, I want to I activate this right now just by faith. You know, in Ephesians chapter five, I'm just going to mention the verse. Paul says this to the Ephesians. Don't be drunk with wine. You guys know this verse? For that leads to dissipation, right? But be filled with the Holy Spirit 
And then he tells you how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Why has the church been singing for 2,000 years? I'm convinced Paul didn't have a good voice. It might have been the thorn in the flesh. I don't know. But the reason I'm convinced of it is because he, people can't be good at everything, right? So I'm just looking. He wrote the Bible. God doesn't just give everybody everything. He's probably up in the cloud right now like, dude, you have no idea. But the point is that this wasn't written to singers only. He's not like, get the singers up and have them make melody in their hearts of the Lord. He goes, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Psalms are the songs we sing that our words are on the screen, or hymns are the songs with the words on the screen. Psalms are singing out of the Bible, and, and spiritual songs are spontaneous songs. They're spirit songs. He's saying, hey, if you want to be part of the reason we sing all the time, it's not the only reason, part of the reason we sing it is in that interaction, there's a filling and a Holy Spirit dynamic to it where you walk out full in a way you didn't walk in. So can we stand together? I feel like there's the sounds in this place. I don't know if the worship dudes can come up or something. You guys okay? I, I just want to pray for an activation right now of the Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to go to the next level in this community. They're already, this is already a worshiping house, but worship's not about worship. What we're tapping into is that John 17 reality where we begin to see his glory. We begin to be filled with the love that the Father has for Jesus. And in that place, there's authority. Things change. How many of you want to be instruments of change? Change comes from intimacy with Jesus, fellowship with him. He doesn't take the bridegroom hat off to put the king hat off. He wears them together. And that's how you are. Your authority, your assignment, what God's called you to do, the will of God for your life is walked out through your interaction with him. So here's what I want to do. I know this is like unusual for a Sunday morning and it's, we're right here at the end of the service. But man, I, I want to ask for a minute if we can find our voice together. I know this is kind of weird. I wasn't even planning on doing this. But you know, that last thing he says is spiritual songs. That's when you just, you're pouring out your own soul to the Lord. I wonder if we could do that for a minute right now. I know a lot of the room is not singers. That's okay. You're not, you don't have to be a singer. You might not know what to say or how the melody works, but you can just, you can just make up your own words, but there's something unbelievable that happens when the room starts touching it. Would you guys like to see heaven begin to come down? I remember, I won't tell that story. It happens. It happens. God comes down. He's already here. You understand that. We're not striving to get his attention. We're not yelling so he'll hear us. He already hears us. We're already with him. He's here right now. Do you guys sense him? I mean, even if you don't, it's a fact. He's, he's in the room. He's not far away. And here's what I want to ask right now. Just if, if you can, just close your eyes. And let's lift up our own song or your prayers. I know it's different, but maybe even out loud. Mm, 
We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you. Come on, just your own words. Just let that, that overflow your heart. Just forget who's next to you for a minute. Just usually we'd end with ministry time right now. I just want to go minister to the Lord right now. Just all the way into the back corners. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Oh. That's right. Just find your voice right now. You don't have to worry about who's next to you. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about how it sounds. Activate that sound, that song, that song, that song. Lift your voice. Come on, even just a little louder if you can. Just be bold right now. He says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Just let your own heart begin to overflow. Just forget about everyone around you right now. Let the Spirit of glory come. Let the Spirit of glory come. Come. The Spirit. you to release that cry right now god i ask you to release that song right out of our spirit right out of this if you don't feel him that's okay just let the hunger begin to come just begin to cry out now begin to cry out now
I just believe there's a jailbreak going on right now. The Bible talks about songs of deliverance. Man, I ask you, Holy Spirit, all over this room right now to set the human heart free. Come on, can you lift your voice just for a minute more? Just begin to call on Jesus. Call on the name of the Lord. finding your voice this is powerful here all together there's power in corporate worship and prayer but I felt like really strongly that there's some in here that don't know how to do this at home that don't know how to do this on an ongoing basis and that's what's gonna break things open here that's what's gonna break things open in this region that as each one of you take this home and don't just wait for Sunday morning or whatever time you're meeting. You, you just enter into this place on your own with him. I just felt strongly something's about to break open here. But it's going to come from the place of personal prayer, personal worship, crying out, finding your voice, not just in this setting, but crying out. Even if you just have to say, hey, like you have no clue what to wake up inside of you. But there's going to be like a jolting. A, a like reigniting passion, or maybe you've never had passion for the Lord. Maybe you feel like your heartbeat has stopped and you need something to jolt you. And what it's gonna take is, is just yell to the Lord. Just yell, even if you have no words, just, hey! Like just wake yourself up. Sometimes that's what it takes. 
So do it here now, but take it home on an ongoing basis. Just cry out to him. Let him hear your voice. It does something in the spirit. Being quiet is, is really powerful too, but there's something about waking yourself up with your own voice. So you can do it here, you can do it now, but you've got to take it home. You've got to take it in your car, in your vehicle, wherever you are. Let your voice be heard. So God, we, we cry out. God, you are our strength. Just wake yourself up. Use your own voice and take it home. Thank you, Jesus. deliverance right now.
listening to the sermon of the week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.